My name is Stephen. We remain true. They can never have this, not if they burn all we ever built and scorn us through the dancing flames. You hear me? We remained true. Jagatai Khan. My name's Matt. If you can see us, we are dangerous indeed. But that is nothing to peril you the, nothing to the peril you face if you cannot see us, and all you hear is our laughter. A saying of the white scars. I'm Mike, or Dirty Mike. And there, feel the glory of necrosis, and rejoice, Nurgle loves you. Oh care, great unclean one. And my name is Curtis. The cleaner the orc, the greener the orc. And everyone knows green is the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I 100% question if that is a, a true lore-based lore quote, or if that's uh, one of these... Uh, more community-created quotes, but it's awesome. I love it, because I can just think of red is faster, green is cleaner, and I can choose my own color when I make my own army for it to be some other adjective. <laughs> oh, yeah. Purple. Purple. Yeah, purple yeah. is... Invisible. Uh, spicier. Sneaky. <laughs> spicier. Spicier. It's like the candles. All right, so... <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Scattered Dice podcast with the Scattered scattered dice guys scattered no scattered guys golly um today's episode is a huge one um episode 10 and we are celebrating in the right extent by doing an episode on the current state of the hobby you can imagine we're all in presidential robes we're going to be discussing current politics of 40k where it's going what's happened over the past year what we're happy about not happy about what we want to see changed so, you know, we'll, we'll everyone will kind of get a chance to share their opinion. Um, part of the reason, you know, Dirty Mike here is he has a lot to share as well. And so everyone kind of take their stance and defend and get angry and yell at each other. And I will somewhat be the moderator, the man with the hammer, to make everyone quiet when Matt just keeps talking and talking and, and doesn't want to <laughs> yield. So we're going to get into the Games, Workman, the games Workshop, <clears throat> talk about politically how they're doing the community itself you know just the groups that have been created you know all these podcasts that exist now uh, how everyone's interacting the game the rules how ninth edition is going we'll get in into the models and the hobby and the extras that have come you know steve can get into the 3d printing side of it and then finally lore and then how how they're doing in terms of lore and then the narrative and in the end we will all kind of take a final optimistic, pessimistic stance in how we truly feel deep inside about it. And that's when I'll really also come back and kind of summarize what I've heard and where I think we are sitting. But before we do that, I know that was a long summary. We're going to do a brief uh, hobby update and kind of get into what each of us are doing. We'll keep this light if we can try looking at one person in particular. And we'll start with yeah, Curtis. Too. Keep it light. <laughs> yeah, Kurt is known for his dour, serious nature. My extended hobby updates. I know that that one really. You should start, Curtis. You sh- yeah, you should okay, start okay. with your hobby updates, Curtis. <laughs> so, um, by the, the the gifting, uh, benevolent hearts of my friends, I now have. A crap ton of orcs waiting for me back home <laughs> in five days. Um, 
I, it, I, it's it was nuts. Um, Did you get what I sent you? Finally, I haven't gotten yours yet, Stevie. So I oh. don't even know. It so, got delivered. Yeah, Matt and I were just talking about that. It, I'm sure it was delivered, but just at the post office right now. Um, has to get to the house, but I don't even know how much more it's going to grow by. But when when Stephen and I were talking about this, it was like, does he actually want this stuff? And I was like, well, <laughs> kind of. And then it was like, okay, should we go big or go home? And Steven generally tempers me. And Steven just looked at me and was like, we got to go big. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's going to give me a lot to work on. And it's, I mean, I've definitely excited to do the orcs, honestly. Um, They're a lot of fun. I need to I, get back into painting and get all the colors. And like, you know, but I got the Necrons because like you could spray paint them white and then get like one blue and then they would be like, oh, you're done. But I mean, the orcs, part of the great part about it is that you can do whatever the hell you want. You can, you know, put on flannels onto them, cross work, you know, cross, <laughs> uh, cross hatch patterns and paint them. Yes. Uh, it, they're awesome. So I got the combat patrol. Um, I love the helicopters in it. That's also. I hope they're easy to build. Can I just put yeah. that out there? You I can hope. build the entire box without glue if you wanted to, Kurt. Oh my god! Yeah, it's all okay. fish fit. Actually, so oh. Kurt, when I got that box for you, the model that makes me think of you the most is the war boss with the little Gretchen on top. With the, yeah. <laughs> he's got the machine gun on top. Is Kurt the little Gretchen on top, or the? <laughs> I like to think he's an amalgamation of both of those. <laughs> I could see the gremlins taking on the hobbits' role. Oh the yeah, ratlings and the IG. They're gonna, they're gonna rule. I, I mean, I love the idea of getting like sixty gremlins too, like Stephen had. That's, oh yeah, it's... I don't know, just expendable, tiny, cheap units are just fun. So yeah. that that is a, I mean, literally just carpet, carpet it. You know, that, that's a great yeah. Do it. <laughs> so. Excited to see uh, what else there's in store for me from you, Stevie. Thank you. Uh, the the anticipation continues. Yes, sir. Mystery. So, yeah, I, I love that you're saying they're easy to build. If those Necrons never get built, c'est la vie. They've never replaced <laughs> Pyorks because those things were awful, awful, awful. Those, I don't know. Maybe you should I, just I struggled them, so honestly. much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've built most of them. It's one box of, of just the... Of the you know Necron infantry that oh yeah I needed like five hands to hold those things together yeah. to for the glue to set it was crazy so <laughs> okay that's my uh, that wasn't too light ish but yeah no big update other than gifts and the waiting for me so how about Matt you go next I know you have a few things to touch on some show and tell maybe yeah so uh, so really quickly I might play a game tomorrow. <clears throat> and uh, excuse me, everyone, I'm a little sick. I, I might have the Rona right now. Um, so if I'm coughing and stuff, I apologize. Anyway, so if I'm feeling better tomorrow, I, I might play a game. If not, then I'm just going to kind of have my own hobby time, um, which is kind of what I've been looking forward to anyways. Um, so I've been building more of my, my Black Templars. So I've uh, I've gotten my cruise my first Crusader squad built, and I'm telling you right now, I was, I was before in the pre-show, I was telling uh, Stephen and Mike, those models are ph phenomenal, um, just so great. 
Um, I also built a single squad of uh, Imperial Fists um, because I thought Woo! that would be... <laughs> I thought that would... Uh, it'd be kind of a fun break, like... Because my, my whole thing is I want to build all my Black Templars so I can, like, base them all and then paint them slowly and play with them and such. So I'm also going to do some Horus Heresy and some Imperial Fist, just, like, a squad or two. So, just so I can be like, all right, well, I've been painting black armor and robes for a while. I'm going to transition to something else to kind of cleanse the palette. So um, that's the plan. And then... Um, the the big thing I wanted to share is uh, while I was on a holiday in back in Texas, um, I did a little a bit of hunting and uh, I found some some cool stuff. So I, I got some books, just some heresy books. So I got like Scions of the Emperor and then Deliverance Lost and uh, some one other one. Uh, Shadows and Treachery. Um, so just some good reading books but the really big thing is uh i was able to find some old codexes uh around some old some bookstores so hold on one second all right so i have the old school imperial guard codex that nice. was around when we first got in kurt i know you still have this book i still have that oh yeah i was yep. referring to it like two years ago yep <laughs> and it, for for uh for six bucks good deal the armageddon supplement nice. from before that book uh, so this is this is the 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 first time we saw Gaz uh, and Yarrick and everything like that. So this is a cool piece of history. Five bucks. The old school Space Wolf uh, Codex. All right. With the artwork that, in my mind, is just classic. Just yeah, classic. Um, the third edition Imperial Guard Codex. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> fourth edition chaos space marines excellent fourth edition tau which was the one that was always around steven's basement yeah, um, i remember that yep and then steven gifted me the original black templars codex with uh-huh. the great artwork that everyone thought was going to be come a model and didn't and everyone was very sad um and then <laughs> and i'm you know a little bit of silence. The second edition Chaos Space Marines Codex. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Was that at half price books? So I it was at half price books in like an obscure city in Texas. I found it online uh, huh. for I think 15 bucks. Someone was like, yeah, I just don't want it anymore. And for those, obviously people can't like see this, but this is like, you know, Abaddon's on the cover and he looks goofy as all get up. Everyone's in really bright colors and it's very silly and this thing is amazing. Um so I am very 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 happy about my uh my haul of uh, collectibles. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, other than that uh that's that's about it. I'm just kind of working away. Um I finished reading or listening to uh Fear to Tread which was uh, about the blood angels in Cygnus prime. And, okay. uh, it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, it kind of, 
it kind of felt like it just kind of went on mm. there at the end. And then I'm also listening to Prospero Burns right okay. now. And that book, I think I'm like two hours into it right now. And I've only seen one Space Wolf. Um, Is it told from the Thousand Suns perspective? No, it's told from a like a iterator's perspective. Oh, okay. And it's a very odd, like, it's very odd. But um, I think we're slowly, slowly getting there. And maybe it'll kind of wrap up. I've heard it was a good book. But as of right now, I, I just, it's kind of like, okay, where are we, where are we going, guys? What's <laughs> going on here? Get on so. with it. <laughs> get on with it <laughs> um so yeah and then that's uh that's it for me so passing it over to you mike uh yeah so i've uh since you forced converted me to thousand sons i've finished building everything so got just about uh 1,500 to 2,000 points of the uh, Magic Mike army. Magic Mike. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, played, tried a couple games. Um, It's the psychic phase is rough trying to keep track of everything. Um, There's just so much going on. And um, I'll be fully honest. I was like looking up what like (laughs) other people are doing because I don't, I have no idea like what random psychic powers of the 18 to put on one random squad like it's i get i can i like can work through the characters who can cast multiple things but it's like on my third rubric marine squad what one thing do they should they do like i have no idea like, they're probably just gonna <laughs> smite anyway so um the uh on a hobby note there the the things on discs so the zangors on discs Great. Easy to build. They look really cool. Big fan. Any Space Marine on a disc, especially Aribon, awful. <laughs> the, the, like, really? Yeah. The like. So the disc itself is fine, but where the disc connects to the base, the like spiral of like magic, it's two pieces. So there's a joint in the middle, and it's impossible to get that. Like you were talking about earlier. Curtis, it's like, I need five hands to hold that thing in place <laughs> long <laughs> enough for it to settle and hold the model. That's the model looks cool, but it, uh, I was, I haven't been that frustrated in a while. <laughs> the death guard stuff is generally pretty easy. And that was, that was not, I was, I've been spoiled with big chunky models. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I played, got a couple games in, I played against, uh, the new crusher stampede, uh, our buddy, Chris, um, he and he didn't optimize it or anything. He just like took some of the biggest bugs he has because he never does. So he brought the uh, it's the Hierophant Bio Titan. It's like oh, a, it used to be two thousand points. Now it's only like eight hundred and fifty or something like that. So it's got like forty wounds or something excessive like that. And I just I think I was playing. I would play thousand suns against it. And so it's like, I uh, hope these mortal wounds are enough because I've got nothing else. So. <laughs> um the the crusher stampede stuff is scary it's just all those big bugs as they should be rather than just paper um and then i got another game in uh where my significant other Brittany actually played my death guard and i played chris's tyranids um while they're at my house (laughs) and uh i it was weird to be on the receiving end of like wow i killed nothing (laughs) (laughs) now you know how it feels yeah (laughs) So I got crushed. Um, 
because I just trade. I just took like as many max squads of little dudes as I could because it's so different for me. So swarms of hormigons and termagants that got eaten by a blow drone with the lawnmower. So it's uh good times. But then yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Awesome. As for me, um, this little holiday vacation has been good for the hobby for me. I didn't get a crazy amount of Warhammer, which is not a bad thing necessarily. Uh, Matthew got me a box of Aberrants and Corsair Khan for my Fledglings White Scars army. I had to kind of ensure that you did White Scars. It was that was a calculated buy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I'm excited to do it, especially after I'm currently still listening to um, uh, Warhawk. So that's getting me in the in the right mood for them. Um, Best line from that book: "Bleed them, bleed them." Yeah, Sigismund is a he's a happy boy right now. Um, and I got some hobby related things as well that weren't models i got two books uh by uh dave taylor um uh, one is a terrain making book by uh mel the terrain tutor on youtube uh so it's just a huge book just all about making terrain it's it's glorious and then the other book is called armies legions and hordes and it's like a army collecting book and like how to start projects how to theme things um and how to like stay motivated and stuff and while also just having lots of glorious pictures of some of the armies that dave taylor's done over the over the years he used to work for games workshop um uh so that was good and i got some like orc terrain from the from um that new uh kill team box set uh has like the the oil derrick in there like nodding donkey but for orcs it's glorious um I need to look and, that up. Yeah, I'll show it to you, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. You should just get like a hundred of them and be like, these are my oil-making orcs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've been building a lot of orcs, actually. I built all the infantry from the Beast Nagas and Combat Patrol box. So I got 40 orcs staring at me. Um, I wanted to get them all built and primed before I went back to uh, school. And... I did that. It took a while, but I did it. So right now I'm working on the 20 guys from the Combat Patrol. And it's going well. I I use the um, Scale 75 version of Contrast Paints to do like the base for their skin. And it's working quite well. Um, I still have to go in with like actual layering, but it, it by doing the Xenophil first and then doing that like Contrast Paint, I can see all, where all the light lands and stuff. So it's a lot easier to put the layers on the right places um, and they turn out like they look pretty cool i have to take some pictures um and my girlfriend got me a this really cool rust paint um it like reacts with like the air and like starts like turning <sighs> rust color it, it wow. looks like actual rust i'm sure it's not like safe to like get on your skin or something <laughs> but i'll have to show you um I like how Dirty Mike's ears perked up at that. Oh, yeah. It's like the best rust effect I've ever seen. And you don't have to do anything. You just literally paint it on there. And then if you want to, like, make it react so differently, you just get some water and, like, dab it on there. And it looks perfect. Like, yeah. You'll have to get some. I've got some uh, dreadnoughts that really could use some rust. <laughs> yeah. 
No, yeah, it's like skill in a bottle. It's great. Uh, and I didn't play any games, um, but that's not a bad thing because Omicron's crazy. And uh, yesterday I went and got the Gene Stealer Cults Codex, and it's nice and creepy. The artwork on the front is terrifying, uh, which is which is what I like about them. They're just very unnerving people, or Gene Stealers, I guess. Uh, and that's it, really. A good break. I'm gonna have to learn some more from you, Stephen, about painting the orcs, especially if oh, you're. Yeah. I like that you're you got kind of a fine-tuned method already on the way. Yeah, unfortunately, Games Workshop was like, you know, for this horde army, we're gonna have them have a bunch of details on them, like all these belts and little pouches and bullets, and it's like, for me, I can't like not paint them. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love it. <laughs> it's definitely a win-lose. It's like that's what you want them to be having on them for their yeah. characters. But oh man, yeah. You could just have a bunch of naked orcs. That'd be pretty easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Savage orcs. <laughs> there you go. Just with yeah, the little. Now you're uh, in Sigmar. Yeah. <laughs> little loincloth, and that's it. Exactly, a loincloth on the just on the front. Yeah. Just a bunch of orgasses as you charge across the field in front of you. It would be awesome. It's going to be good. Okay, so awesome. So those that makes up our hobby updates. Now we can get into the main topic. And we're going to start off with just opening comments here. Um, this, you know, we'll start off going one by one. This needs to be a somewhat concise summary of where you think the hobby is right now. Um, you know, today, mid-January 2020, God, 2022, what's going on? Make a hard stance. I mean, don't be, don't be kind of touchy around it. Don't say, oh, that kind of feel like this, kind of feel like that. Just gut feeling where we at. Keep it pretty short and concise. We'll get into more details later, but just where are you personally at? And we're going to start, you know, we're going to start with Steven this time. It's fresh and go ahead, Stevie. Open All us right. up. Uh, seven out of ten. Good, not great. Um, I think, I think, a lot of it has to do with the whole pandemic. Honestly, why things are taking so gosh darn long. Um, what has come out has been pretty great in terms of the models and the codexes the few that have um i i do like the um the new codexes and how they're how they're designed i do think they could have more lore in them um um but the, you know they have everything they got you know they got the stratagems they got the rules all that i think they're making good changes for pretty much each army uh with the exception of some like you know overly strong books like Drakari. Uh, and Adeptus Mechanicus. Um, but as, as for the, you know, the vast majority of players who aren't competitive players or anything, I think it's great, you know. Yeah, you can use everything you got. Um, the models are cool. They're finally updating uh, the Eldar, which is nice. Um, it sounds like they're doing a pretty good uh, refresh of the range. They got all like the basic stuff uh, that were either really old plastic or were just metal. Looks like they're putting them into plastic. 
don't know if you guys saw, but they're doing the shining spears. They're, that's going to be a kit. Um, yeah, the the leak, the leak. Yeah, yeah Valrec has already covered like six times. Yeah, exactly. Whoever did, whoever had that big leak with all the release schedule ended up being right. Uh, so that was, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about leaks because it takes away the suspense and stuff. <laughs> um, but it does hold the company true. You know, it's, they have to stick with their plan, yeah. otherwise people get angry. Um, so yes. Good, not great. I think for your average Warhammer player, the hobby is fine. Um, I think a lot of the fixing needs to be done on the uh, rules balance side. And um, once the pandemic is over, I think things will hopefully ramp up and then I won't be as uh, down in the dumps about it. What about you, Matthew? What do you think? You're gonna Are you going to eviscerate them? <laughs> Kurt, is this sh- should I go next? Do you want Mike to go next? <clears throat> it, you know, just because you're saying that, I'm afraid. <laughs> so maybe it was is smarter for uh to for Mike. Okay, save the best for go. last. It, well, save the <laughs> save the most verbose for last. But so Stephen, you're sitting at a seven out of ten. You sound cautiously optimistic. Uh, you yeah, give some of the say. fault to the to the Corona. That's very valid, Mike. Where do you sit? So I I would say I am slightly more cautious in my optimism, but I'd like I'd like to rank it like a six out of ten right now. But acknowledging that the stage is set and the potential exists to be at like an eight out of ten by the end of this calendar year, um, I feel like the they have done a lot. They've made a lot of changes that make it obvious that they're listening to you know the players, the consumers, the hobbyists, and they're they want to be better and they're making those efforts, but I think those are just beginnings and it's kind of, uh, we'll see if that continues. <laughs> we'll see if these beginnings are carried through or if they just kind of peter out and we get back to the old norm. Um, and that's, I think where the caution comes into play and <laughs> why it's still just a six right now for me, because the, they aren't in full effect yet. The balance data slates, the easiest example, like I don't think that the first one was, it felt very, very knee jerk. And I'm concerned that if they're all that way, it's not going to be great. But the fact that that entity exists is good and lean, lean makes me think that they, there's potential that if they do it right, that's going to be great for the game. It's going to, it's going to take the, especially on the competitive side, take it from like, okay, this kind of balanced game to like, okay, they have the, they have a method to make it a truly good and balanced game. So the potential's there, but there's still so many issues, and it still still hasn't evolved from the same old yet. Awesome. So we have seven, uh, six out of ten for Mike, but he's seen a lot of potential this year. Okay. Six out of ten, seven out of ten. Matt, I'm afraid. Go ahead. All right. So I'll be that guy. Four out of ten is what I think we are right right now with the overall Warhammer forty state of Warhammer forty thousand. And I say that because I really, really enjoyed eighth edition. Okay. I've seen seventh edition back to three and fourth. I think eighth edition we ha- were on the right track. And I then we were promised 
that ninth edition, I don't know if you guys remember all the hype about ninth edition was going to be the greatest edition. And it's not. It it just isn't. And it's I don't even think it's where well, I mean we're what almost almost two years in to the edition at this point. And we're not even close to where eighth edition was at this time. I would like to give them some leniency because of of the Rona. Uh, and that's not trying to take light of it. But the the thing is, they haven't stopped doing things because of coronavirus. It's just every time they make a bad decision, I feel like they hide behind that. So it's like, hey, why don't we? Ha- why don't you know? Why don't we have the codexes? Oh coronavirus is stopping us getting out these codexes. Oh, okay. And then they're like, but here's Warzone such and such and all these models and everything. And it's like, wait, well, didn't you say you couldn't release stuff because of Corona? And they're like, um, coronavirus. Ah. This is definitely an addition that is aimed more towards competitive gaming, which is completely fine. However, I think the state of competitive gaming right now in the, in its form, is not good for the game. I think they've kind of gone away from the lore, and any lore that they have done is uh, not just stagnant, but it's just it doesn't feel like it has any direction whatsoever. Um, I think the community is in a weird place because the the people they're trying to appeal to the most in this edition, the competitive people who are the most vocal are generally not happy about the state of the edition because of the releases and everything. So it just comes off as nobody's really happy about things. Um, And so I think we were promised, you know, like this is is the the world war one of 40 K stuff. We were promised the addition to end all editions and how great this was, would be. And it's, it's just going terribly. And I, I think there needs to be serious change. Um, and I think that there could be potential. So I think not just the end of this year, I think by the end of the edition, we could get to a, it's good. Um, but I, I just think that we're not even close there. We're not, we're not close there. We are like barely at the acceptable rate, in my opinion. And that's where I stand. That is some extremely cautious optimism. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Um, Before we get into the beginning topic here, I want to ask one question, yes or no answer from each of you. We're going to start with Matt because I already know his answer. Are we, is the hobby in a better or worse spot? Well, let me phrase it for a yes or no. Is the hobby in a better spot now than it was five years ago? more or less than in the peak of 8th edition. And we're talking wholesome, everything included, lore, availability of models, <clears throat> everything. Adam, no. Yes or no? No. I would say no. Steven? Yes. Dirty Mike? Uh, no. I'm going to go with no. A lot of hesitation there. Okay. And from my outside view, I would almost give it a yes. Um, and I kind of talk about that. But, like, I just feel like the hobby has grown so much. And 
kind of you know whether you don't like the growth or it, you know it, you do like the growth growth is great for a hobby like this the amount of people and the amount of models and i don't know but i have a somewhat un uh, un uneducated uh view so i was just curious i like your uh and you know for those who can't see everyone they all hesitated except matt um <laughs> matt definitely knew his answer beforehand all right so <clears throat> the first topic of this state of the hobby is games workshop so the company itself you know what what are they doing right now how were they doing? What they think they should do in the future? Uh, they've changed a lot over you know ten years. They've I think they've I feel like we could all say over the past ten fifteen years they've done a really good job of of expanding what they're offering and and kind of making the hobby a little better um, and almost I think most of the realms of of that you can define it. But how do you feel about the company? And you know we're gonna. I think we're going to continue with Matthew. Um, I want him to start here just because I know he has some hard opinions on it. I mean, based on these scores, um, I think all of us are about to have hard opinions on this topic, but um, I don't think Games Workshop's doing a great job right now. Um, and, And that's not to say that they're not doing anything right. But talking about them as a company right now from hard facts, right? I think I talked about it in one of my previous episodes. I was an investor. I got, uh, you know, I bought their stock when it was like 60 or $70 a, a share. And I sold when it was $160 a share. So I, I made a, a little bit of money. But I think they're still doing, like, I, I think the stock is still dropping as of right now. Uh, I'll, I'll check that out here uh, later. But like, that should be the first indicator. And I know that, you know, listening to other podcasts and reading things and, and such that there seems to be some stuff, minor stuff going on behind the scenes in games workshop, where I don't think all parts of the company are talking to each other. And I think like their marketing team, I think drives a little bit more than it probably should um, and I know, I think that was like the whole thing. Primaris Marines even exist is that they were just supposed to be like upscaled Marines. And then the marketing team wanted them to be brands baking new. And they kind of drove that. I cannot confirm that is a real thing, but anyways, that's kind of old news. Um, they've done the crackdown on people making content. And while I understand them wanting to protect their IP, I don't think going after the YouTube videos was the right place to go. I think Games Workshop as a company needs to be more concerned about the 3D printing and the, you know, different market, after a market, whatever, not after market, but um, like the the recasting, the Chinese recasting. And I think, Stephen, you were talking about uh, when we talked about recasting and how, like, uh, a lot of times the recasting places go and fund criminal activity and, and stuff like that. So for, for those of you out there in general, yeah, yeah. for those of you out there, just don't, just don't do recast read, you know who you are. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I think 
and I and I think 3D printing is something they just have to deal with. And I, I if they don't have a strategy right now or they're making a strategy, I think they're going to hurt themselves in the long run. And everyone here can agree. And they know I am a huge Games Workshop fanboy. Okay, I've I've bought swag. I buy most of like I don't I don't generally don't buy anything. I, I don't buy anything that is not Games Workshop comes out of the box and everything. So I support them 100 percent. But. They're not protecting their IP in the right way. They're alienating people. Um, I feel like they're they're trying to appeal to everybody, but it just feels right now that the game is more focused on the competitive side. And so I I don't necessarily think that all the, the parts of the hobby are being identified. I think, like I said earlier, I think they're kind of hiding behind they're they're hiding bad decisions behind coronavirus. And so, you know, we're we're about to be two years into the hobby and we still don't have all the codexes. And I feel like we're going to get all the codexes and then they're going to start changing stuff again. And that that's just kind of disappointing. And, you know, I I just. They need to be doing better and they're not going to ever make anybody or everybody happy. That's another thing. And, I you know, I should very much say that is i don't expect them to be perfect in any way shape or form but um like you know warhammer plus the warhammer app i got the warhammer app pretty much day one launch and it's been it's been garbage um i i started using it instead of battlescribe and i've kind of regretted that and i actually just canceled my subscription to warhammer plus and the warhammer app uh warhammer plus i I think they had a good idea, but I think the problem is that the content on there, like you've got people paying for a lot of subscription services right now. You got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got HBO Max, you got Disney Plus, you got ESPN Pro, all these different places. I don't think people have a problem with that, but you know, that'd be like the the animation it is right now. And I know they're a small studio and I know they're there. It's like, I think Angels of Death right now is like one dude and an a orchestra essentially trying to make stuff happen. But it's still YouTube video quality. And that's the problem is that I think they should have just partnered with these people uh, instead of doing Warhammer Plus. Get them to kind of fall under the Games Workshop banner, essentially, and just let them keep doing their thing. Like, hey, we'll let you use our IP and you can just keep making stuff. Um, and we'll advertise for you and, you know, we'll set these rules or whatever, but at your own streaming service, I don't think. Um, and, and once again, people, you know, feel free to, to jump in and disagree or agree or anything, but it, I feel like they had a lot of grand ideas going into ninth edition for a lot of things and it's just not sticking and I, I, they just need to do better. At the end of the day, they they need to do better. And that's, you know, that's my my stance on it, kind of overall on the, the company. Now, they're definitely better than when we were, we first got into Javi back in third and fourth. I'll say that right now. Like, they're definitely more communicating. And I, I think Steven touched on it earlier, you know, with the fact that they did make that, you know, it does look like they're attempting to get better. But, um, and, and yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's just, 
you know, they have to kind of plan so far out. And so, you know, maybe they can only make these changes, you know, six months from now, but <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, they're, just... I think objectively they're they're better than they were many, many years ago. But I definitely agree with you. The the Warhammer Plus, that's what it's called, right? The, the streaming yeah. service. That is a very good example of taking a grand idea and not fully, you know, finishing it and bringing it to like a... To, to to what the grand idea would consist of. Because it really... You know, I was definitely a little surprised when that came out, too. And it was awesome to watch those videos with you, Matt. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think a perfect way to put it is, like you said, they're almost YouTube quality. Yeah. But they're, it's a whole separate paid subscription. It's, you know, it, it is shocking that they can hold their app, the servers, the studios, everything, to only produce, you know, not a ton of content. Well, and and like that Angels of Death thing, Curtis. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if I don't know if you we we talked about this, but they stopped. They got five episodes in and they stopped and took like a a mid season break. Oh, and wow. it was just like okay, so you you launched this either with this series incomplete, or you knew this was going to be the one thing, and you didn't want people to binge all ten episodes and then get out. Like, uh, and and I think honestly, the first red flag should have been the free model because they said, Hey, if you subscribe, you get a free model, but you have to stay subscribed for an entire year. And that should have been the, like, why are you, why are you making this? Like this thing? Like, are you, are you so concerned about people not subscribing that you're gonna like, you're, you're going to try to keep us in with a model <clears throat> and look, those are cool models, but they're not, they're not $80 models. Um, so I, I think they really need to rethink how they're, they're doing business right now. Right. And, you know, we get to be on the other end of watching those grand plans fail or succeed. So to some extent, I would much rather them be attempting all these grand things and have them fail. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that's where I am at. Like, I, I think everything you guys have said are very fair points. Um, the way I see it is if you had told me when I had 10 years ago when I had graduated from high school that there was going to be codexes for a lot of factions that we had always wanted to have their own armies, that there was going to be an app with Warhammer vid like movies and clips and whatever, I would be like, that sounds awesome. Like, heck yeah. Like, I've always wanted that. Um, I've always wanted there to be Warhammer movies um that weren't that space marine one with the ultramarines um oh god it was so god. bad this is disappointing and that's what it is right now it's disappointing because it's it's the potential is there they could make so much money and they could like they all had to do is really listen to their 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 customers and provide a quality product which they do with their models like games workshop makes the best models for a tabletop game Period. Most consistently. Yes, there are like your you can go on my mini factory and find all these awesome STLs and stuff, but a lot of them are also doing like like proxy stuff and like so there's a lot of work that those people don't have to do because they're just altering something and like not to shame them, like great things. But like Games Workshop made an entire sci fi universe 
with all their artists, all their concept artists, all their model designers. And I think the models have only gotten better. Um, I do wish they weren't all as mono pose. Like, yeah, they can do cool poses, but it's a little annoying when all your guys look the same. Um, but on the flip side, thankfully, they're all plastic, and plastic is easy to convert. Um, um, but yeah, they, there's a lot of missed opportunities and some bungling of uh, how to do things. I think I think a lot of the problems are based on business decisions, for sure. Um, I think if games were if Warhammer Forty Thousand had a living rule set where was, all the rules are online. All the stats for your models are online that can be changed, you know, month to month or whatever, instead of having to buy a new codex every edition or twice in an edition if you're a Space Marine player. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. And I think people would still buy codexes if it was 90 pages of really cool lore and great pictures and hobby stuff. You know, that's that's what the old ones used to be. It wasn't just, here's like 40 pages of lore and 100 Space Marine data slates with little blurbs on the side to explain what each unit does instead of like, you know, a whole page like the old codexes. Um, so that's a crazy thing, too. Age of Sigmar, that's what the codexes are like. Yeah, I like the Age of Sigmar codexes because it reminds me of the old Warhammer 40,000 codexes. Yeah. Um, and, and the rule just to, float. Yeah, go just ahead. Just to say some, because I really liked what you said. When you support Games Workshop, you're not supporting some like high rise, you know, London skyscraper filled with James Bond villains. Like no. these are literally tattoo filled artists and like stay at home dads who have come together to make this like fantasy universe. And yeah. at the end of the day, you're supporting like writers and painters and sculptors and yeah. all this stuff. And yeah, they have the the business guys, but like you're not fighting the mega corp or something like that. Like no. this is an apple we're dealing with where it's exactly. literally people sculpting toy soldiers. And so like when you do recast or, or like you 3D print all your money, you're not like uh-huh, I'm fighting the 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 oil barons. Like no, you've like there's some artist who got out of college and working for JW and they're going to be like, "Well, yeah, someone in China just stole your job for a thousand dollars less so yeah bye and, steve and ultimately it's still it's just a drop in the bucket the recasting and 3d printing guys people still i have a 3d printer i'm not i'm not printing out orc proxies all the time like i have i like to use it to augment what i already have from games workshop especially now that the orcs there's like only 10 poses for boys so printed out more guns and stuff and swords to make them look different <laughs> um but they like you said, they do need to start thinking about the future. And I think maybe offering STL files for some of their models might be something that they could do. Uh, I could totally see them going like hog wild and partnering with like a 3D printing company to make like a 40K themed like 3D printer or something. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> Looks like a manufactorum. <laughs> exactly. Like that'd be fucking cool. Sorry, excuse my swearing, but um, it'd be cool. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah. I Yes, pandemic. Yes, it takes about 130 days for something to leave China and arrive in the United States now. But Games Workshop makes a lot of their own. All the models, I think, are made in the UK. The books, mm -hmm. I'm not so sure about. I think they're made in China. <laughs> um, so I get that part. I get the logistics. I get all that. But like Matthew said, 
they prioritize different things. And I think maybe they had their release schedule and they're just doing it the same schedule they had, but because of coronavirus, it's been spread out. I think they should have changed it up and been like, okay, we need to prioritize getting all these codexes out. And I understand they like to do codex release alongside some of the new model refreshes because uh, they like to have everything that's in the book have a model for. And so that makes things a little bit more complicated. But they, yeah, they. I don't like these campaign books. I think they should be more entirely narrative and have cool missions and stuff and maybe a few stratagems, but you shouldn't have to have eight books to play one army. <laughs> and they, they were the ones who were like, yeah, we hear you about rules bloat. Like, 8th edition was... It, it started off okay, and then it got worse and worse, and ninth is even worse with all the books you need. Yeah, I mean, isn't it Sisters, like Sisters of Battle? Actually, I think Sisters of Battle and Orcs, they got a codex, and then like the next month, they got their Warzone book that buffed them. Yeah, pretty much. Every, it's happened for everyone, almost. Uh, Drakari happened I, to them, Adeptus Mechanicus. Yeah, so you're... Uh, Tyrannus like still have to randomly. use three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like... It's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. No, it's it absolutely is not. But it's just that's the thing. Like they have all these great ideas, they're just not delivering. Um, so they just need to do some. I don't know what they got to do. They just got to get their crap together <laughs> and just because, like I said, there's so much. They're just leaving money on the table. Like, <sighs> yeah, but executing those grandiose ideas is, is tougher than oh yeah oh no yeah, I, I mean it's... launching a multimedia platform does not sound easy oh yeah I think absolutely they probably should have waited a couple more years before rolling that out because the content right. is a little thin it's half-baked yeah what do you think mike uh, what have they done over the past few years and where are they at now yeah so like i i completely agree like objectively compared to itself games workshop has done great like i there's i have no arguments there I think it's when you start to, and, that, and I'm even talking holistically. Uh, I know I've uh, recently in the past year gotten a little bit into Blood Bowl. Um, you know, I played football growing up, like football and fantasy, like great. That's like that's like the two, my two worlds colliding. It's like a dream. Um, and it's a fun and funny game. Like Sigmar, that model range, incredible. Um, and I know there was a lot of, a lot of, unease when they did the move from fantasy to sigmar but i'd say at this point like it's sigmar's role and it looks good those models are incredible the rules seem fine like i they that this whole new season thing started in sigmar sigmar is kind of like the testing ground for 40k quite often um and so that season thing has existed in sigmar for a bit um you're talking i think that sigmar the way they do rules is significantly better and i think it's when you start to compare them to other like organizations when the faults start to appear a little bit more um my i mean i know a big thing for me is like we're in the 21st century i remember when i bought in early eighth edition a, a, a digital codex because i was like this is gonna be easier like i don't have to look around a big old book like i was all about it and i remember walking into a games workshop store and i was talking about like yeah so like if there's like you know i, I could bring my tablet with the rules and the guy's like whoa, whoa, whoa. like gotta make sure they're like do we only accept games workshop official stuff i was like yeah games workshop sells digital codexes guy like you're an employee i figured you'd know this and i was just like i was just like whoa like everybody assumes i just rip some pdf 
And I, I was kind of upset about it. I was like, why is this offered if it's going to just be frowned upon and mistrusted immediately, like in the 21st century when everybody has that could have access and the app has made strides to get there, but it's still so different. I remember uh, FLG, like the, the LVO, the like Las Vegas open, the biggest FLG event of the year. And people are like, is the games workshop app going to be accepted as legal? And there was like, eh, like what? Like, this is, that's not how this should be. Like this is the 21st century. I should be able to pull up an app or a document on my phone and do this and not, not have this mistrust that it's going to be incorrect, not have this like doubt. Um, and like, it would be this, all these codex issues. And like Stephen was talking about with supply chain issues, got it, but the internet exists and they could release all of these right now as a PDF. Um, and I got it and they, it may not make as much money, but I think Stephen is also right that everybody would still buy those codexes. Like people play these games and if the codex could then just be beautiful and just lore and just story. And like, I think that's where you put crusade rules and those narrative rules. I think you could still have these codexes with like that are, you can still get that tactile feel of the game that crack the book, crack the spine smells like paper. Like it's great. You can still have that while releasing digital rules that allow instant access for, for, for people to use across the world at the same time. And they, they um, have the platform for that. They have yes. the app. You yep. literally could just be like, hey, subscribe to this and then pay like a reduced price. Like, so if the, the hard book is like 40 bucks, pay 20 bucks and you get the digital codex. And you're and good. Then, <clears throat> yeah. And then, hey, maybe say, okay, now you've got a subscription that lets you have this. Now you've paid for the digital thing. And hey, if you can take your app into a GW and show them you've bought it, you get $10 off the hard copy book. They're still making mm, yeah. more money. <clears throat> they have the stuff there. It's literally in front of them. And yep. they could be they could be doing this. And then I don't you know, Mike, I don't know if you were there. <clears throat> and then Steven and Kurt, I don't know if you were like if you knew these existed. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sorry, Nurgle. Um so back in seventh edition, and I, Steven, I think you saw me. I, I had an Eldar codex and you could buy the E codex. Yeah. And I had it on my tablet. And you could go in and it it you like you flip the pages, you know, digitally, but you could click on units and it added them to a list. And then you could go and build your list at the back of it and it made sure it was legal and everything. <laughs> Excuse me, all in that ebook. And it cost, I think, five dollars less than a hard copy book. And it, it had everything built in so that like they had this stuff before in an amazing version i don't and like when you when you had the list you literally clicked on a thing and it brought up its data sheet for you and like how you had kitted it out was was the profiles you saw so if you'd chosen like oh i want the close combat variant of a guardian squad it brought up there so you didn't even have to like sort through the stuff it was your stats right there yeah it's like the, all of these things other companies are doing like other entities in the war in this world of gaming and tabletop gaming like they do it i know uh star wars x-wing no it's a significantly smaller scale game absolutely like i think the most you can play with is eight models at a game like it's essentially a kill team equivalent and like it's 
but it's still like those rules are released. Um, you still have to buy all the stuff to play. You still have to buy your ships and the cards and the upgrades and all the tactile markers and counters. But the rules are just like, you can just get them on a PDF or their official app works <laughs> and is like, you can build lists in it and it's everything is available that's been released. And like, obviously Games Workshop is a much larger entity than Star Wars X-Wing, but like there's, the there are companies that do this and they do it well and they still make money and games workshop has just as much if not more of a lore following and hobby following and narrative following that they could still sell these codexes and i think the other thing and i honestly wouldn't know much about this if it wasn't for our buddy chris but he uh like the way they do pre like uh pre-orders and like stuff like that like it's just it's not up to like standard industry standard like if you pre-order something from gw that means it ships the day it releases whereas like in other companies and like things like that it's like if you pre-order it means you get it the day it's available at your house like if i'm going to pre-order something i want it the day it's available not two weeks later and uh, a, this is a whole month we have to wait basically They're like, yeah in a week the pre-orders go up and then then you get your stuff shipped and yeah it's ridiculous and whereas like, and that's not even a supply chain issue. That has been the Games Workshop standard for years. Like that's not how, that's not a new issue. That's just how they've always done business. It's okay, yeah, on the day we'll ship it. And I'm like, well, I I pre-order things so that they're available the day, that, like the only reason I'm ordering this early is so that it is immediately available the day it releases. And instead I'm going to have to wait longer and not get it. And that's just, that's like, other smaller companies, if they tried that, would just lose their followings instantly. And so you can that's a good indicator that Games Workshop has a very large and dedicated following. Um, and I think that they could do better as an organization and a company to like provide 21st century like resources and support to its followers. And full disclosure, this is like, as, as a score, this is the lowest score I gave any section was the company itself. I, because they can't get with the 21st century. Um, and I, I agree they're trying. And the app is, there's once again, potential. And I think this is where the most potential exists. It's just, it ha I have not seen it come through any time in recent history. So hopefully it gets better. I would love it to get better. <laughs> So, real quick, Mike, out of 10, what would you give Games Workshop and how it's doing? Gave it a 4. Hard 4. Out four. Of ten. Oof. Steven? 5 out of 10. Fair. And Matthew? 5 out of 10 as well. Okay. It's definitely sitting lower. So, if, if you all do stick to your original grades in the opening comments... Um, I expect some higher grades from some other categories <laughs> to bring that average up. So this next topic is now on the total flip side. Instead of Games Workshop, what about the community? And, you know, to an extent, that is the meat and gravy of this hobby. So discuss, you know, social media groups, podcasts, YouTube channels, all the subreddits, the events that happen you know, getting the community to get more involved with each other, Games Workshop aside. Um, and maybe, you know, if you can focus outside of Games Workshop, even, you know, created sponsored events, like what is the community doing 
um, and building off each other to make this hobby better. Um, we're going to start with Mike this time. Did you say meat and gravy? I what sure kind of did. meal? Do you, we might need to contact a nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two of the like three basic food groups. All he's missing is beans. <laughs> beans, beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. Bean basic. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so I I gave this an eight out of ten on the scale. Um, I especially recently have gotten more into the community. Um, I know for the longest time it was just like my local, like the little group that Hoffman started here. We that was that was all my experience really, and then started to read a little bit more on like the Warhammer community page. Um, you know, the Games Workshop specific one, and then uh, Goonhammer was one of my favorite sites to like read in-depth articles and reviews on um and now i've like fully like immersed <laughs> i'm like listening to like most of the frontline gaming podcasts i'm in telling curtis earlier i went from being in no 40k facebook groups till i'm in like six and i don't even know what they all are i'm just in them and i get posts <laughs> like i just get notifications click on it and i'm like oh that's a cool model and i move on with my day like i get these this the amount of the community stuff is huge here um, the reason I didn't give it like the full 10 out of 10, despite how happy I am with it, is those there are still portions of the community that are not great um, as far as just like strictly like people. There are people in the hobby I would not want to be associated with. Um, however, Games Workshop, you know, I, I don't know if, how familiar you guys are with the thing that happened in Spain, but Games yeah. Workshop immediately came out against it. Um, and there was no like, uh, you know, all people deserve their ideas. There was no sort of like uh, equivocation. It was just like, no, we don't like it. <laughs> like straight up, like we don't like it. We don't like you. If we ran this event and it wasn't a local event, you wouldn't be allowed. Like it's that kind of stance um, makes me happy, gives me hope. And I know when that came out, every podcast I listened to is like, look, if you have a problem with this statement, stop following us like we don't like you <laughs> and so it's i would say like most of the like content creators the company itself have come out against that that small small portion of the community and uh i that gives me hope and i know i've not talked to anybody who's like well the guy in spain with the nazi symbols had a point like i've not i haven't seen anybody who like was like yeah like you know he had a point like so that gives me hope and that's i still think the community as a whole and as a majority is great. Um, and I think that has come so far. I think things like uh, Henry Cavill, like our like nerd. In, he has revealed uh, himself to us. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe he's the real emperor. I think he is like that, like seeing that in pop culture now. And I was talking about this the other day, like nerd culture as a whole has moved towards pop culture. And I think that that has just done so much for the community. Um, so I think that the community is in a really good spot. I've got very little issues. Awesome. That. Uh, what, what was your total number there, Mike? An eight. Eight. Okay. Very highly rated. Steven. All right. You sit. I am very pleased with the community. I didn't give full marks similarly to Mike because of a few bad actors. Um, it's great. I this is the community I think is what has made me be as excited about Warhammer these past like in my adulthood um 
way more than what Games Workshops provided. Um, when you can go your entire day consuming Warhammer social media or just media, <laughs> like and fill all your enta- entertainment hours with it, and it not get old, that's a good thing. So the the YouTube channels in particular are fan freaking tastic. Like it's free. It's the best content for Warhammer I've ever seen. These people who do painting videos, who do battle reports, who do lore videos. It's it's awesome. Like top notch quality stuff. Um it's I'm not in a lot of the groups, uh like on Facebook necessarily, but the few that I am, it's great. You get to see people's models. Um, you get to see like the games they've played and just it ties you into the like what the hobby looks like for the vast majority of people. Um and even the people who have the most to complain about, the competitive players, um, I think they're having a great time. There are more tournaments than there have ever been. That Games Workshop now has its own official tournament. Um, the if you talk to any of these guys, they'll tell you that these tournaments have only grown in popularity over the last ten years. It's crazy. Like. The LVO is like the fact that that exists is awesome. Like it's a huge convention and competition, um, and and those are just popping up more and more. Like they're doing all sorts of uh, the frontline gaming networks doing all sorts of competitions, um, like the Lone Star Open, Las Vegas Open. Uh, what was the one that you were going to go to, Matt? What was it called? Oh, the the, uh, the Cherokee, Cherokee Cherokee Open. Open. So that that side of the community, like I said, that has the most to to be upset about. It, I think they would say that it's great because they get to play more tournaments, they get to play more games with their friends, have these awesome weekends, um, and the podcasts are great. Um, ours is fun. Like <laughs> I never thought I'd be in a podcast, and this this hobby has allowed us to do that and to have these conversations, which is awesome. Uh. So I think the community is the best part of Warhammer. Um, and I don't play that many games, and I feel like I'm part of the community. Like, I haven't played a game in, like, gosh, maybe two years now since the pandemic started. Like, And I feel like I haven't left anything. Like, I don't feel like I'm all alone in a corner carving out what it means to be in the Warhammer community. Um, so, yeah, I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's only a. It's not a ten out of ten because of those few people. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Just a spidge away from perfection. Very nice. Away from perfection. I think the the players are what the hobbyists are. What makes this 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 game so much fun? Well said. Oh, got to change. <laughs> Matthew. All right. So I gave it a. <clears throat> I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. So I deducted a point, four points, for each of the the things I I think need to be discussed or it needs to be talked about or the things I don't I, I see as issues. Okay, so first and foremost, I think we we as the people enjoying 40k, we make up the community, but you can't have a com- you can't have the 40k community without Games Workshop. So I think Games Workshop. The the fact that we've discussed how they're not doing so great 
I think that plays a little bit into the community. And so I took a point away from them. Um, And I might give it back because that's that that is a bit of a stretch. I took a point away because we do have some some problem people. We have, you know, that that incident in Spain, that is a that is an issue. Um, then I have the, the two other points I can I, I took away for are we have some extremes in the hobby and we've got, you've got the old breed. Okay. These are the people who've been playing forever. All right. And they don't like change and they don't like these other things and they're not very welcoming to new people. All right. And new people coming and going into the hobby is, is the way it's always been. So if you're someone out there and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want and you're you're you know harassing people online and stuff like that, you, like you, you need to take a time out, really think about everything and and reconsider if this is, you know, the thing for you. Um on the flip side, if you're coming into the hobby, I think it's very important that you realize that this is a very very uh, the hobby's been around for so long. Um, and I mean, maybe not necessarily us, but there are people where this is their life. Like, th- you know, 40K is, you know, they have nothing else, right? I mean, you've been to the game stores, you've seen the people, like, they probably, you know, they don't have too much else going on in, in their life. And so 40K is what kind of keeps them going. Um, so like, you know, I've I've seen posts where people are like, you know, I think that the Primaris Marines are cancer and we need to get rid of them. And I want to go back to old Marines and all these other things. But then I'm, I've seen people come in and be like, hey, I got in this hobby five minutes ago and I think I love it. But I think everything needs to change to get it to where I want it to be. And you, you can't do either of those things. You can't be someone you can't come into the hobby and be like. <clears throat> oh, space marines are great, but I hate them and they need to change. Like Okay, well, that's that you're you you just said that, you know, you love this, but you want an IP that's been around for 20, 30 years to change because you don't like it, like Okay. Like, you know, that's that's not really possible. And so the other thing is when it comes to competitive the, and I, I guess this will be a little bit more in gaming, but I, I think that the, the way the competitive culture is right now needs to take a... We need to look at it. Um, and I think we really need to value or look at how we value players and everything like that. Um, because as it stands currently we hype up people who find ways to make the game not fun. And I define the game as not fun as when two players can sit down and play a game and interact with their armies in a somewhat equal way. And what I mean by that is if if I sit down and play Steven and he's playing a a decently competitive list and i'm playing a decently competitive list or we're just we're just playing okay um okay actually sorry if we're playing a competitive thing and i try to make a, a good list and you try to make a good list i would say a good game is where 
yeah, maybe you crush me, but if I'm able to do stuff, if I'm able to get some points on the board, uh, if I'm able to kill some of your units, if I'm able to interact with you, with, um, with my models in a way that makes me feel like I've done something, then I think that's a good game. And I think that's where, and I, and I think that's like, that's good for a competitive scene. But I, I think we, it's like, if you're someone who goes out there and you find out, oh, hey, if I take these three units and I put them on the board, I just win. And there's nothing you as the other player can do to beat me. I'm just going to win. And so, like, I know that was it, um, Mike, uh, Thick City, is that the Tyranid build? No, Thick City is the new Drukari one. What was the Tyranid build that was like, I'm going to sit behind buildings with my hive guard and I'm going to shoot you and you can't uh, do anything back to them. Yeah. And... So it's when Leviathan came out because hive guard can stay in, they can shoot without looking essentially. Yeah. Right. So you can hide them behind obscuring terrain where they can't be seen. Um, they put out like two shots at strength, eight AP minus two D three damage. Each one of the squads gets rerolling or sixes explode. One of the squads gets, Reroll everything to hit. One squad gets plus one to hit, and one squad gets reroll damage rolls. Um, it, I wouldn't say it broke the game. I think for what you're talking about, the biggest example was at the height of the summer when it was Drukari, Admech, and Orcs, where flyers were the thing that where it's like, okay, you have all of your stuff hiding over there, but uh these planes move like 70 inches over terrain. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to find you. Um, and I, I think that was kind of like finalized in the championship game at one of these tournaments was the, like the winner, the winner goes home as the winner. And it was after one turn, the other guy conceded. Yeah. Um, and it was Admech versus orcs. And it was essentially whoever won the roll off to go first, their planes were going to kill so much stuff on the other side that they win. And, and it, it happened and there yeah. was no interaction. It was a really boring game to watch on a stream <laughs> it was and, over in and, 45 minutes. And see, that's the thing is, and, and that, that, that can go boring because we're about to go into the gaming section, but on the community side, like there wasn't, yeah, uh, there wasn't like people like, wow, that player really sucks in terms of he just made a game not fun because like when you play a game, there's a stewardship that comes on both parties to try to make it fun for the other person. And if you're now, if you're playing a competitive game, you have to understand that there, that, that changes a little bit because you are trying to beat the other person for it. Like th there's a purpose, but like just being able to be like, yeah, Hey, I want like, all right, let's do the roll off. Boom. Up. Oh, I win. I, I won the roll off. So I win. Like, that's not fun at all in any context and I, I think at all. That'd be like playing risk and being like, Oh, we finished setting up. So I win like, okay. But then I think we, as a community, we need to see things like that and be like, Hey guy who brought that that's, that's messed up. But instead we look at games workshop and we're like, you built this, like you caused us to take this list. You made me take this list. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we look at this absolutely opposite because for me, that tells me the game is broken, not exactly. the players. That's what I was going to say as well. I think it's not about like, what is it? Manny Chima. He likes to min max like all the time. He sounds like a delightful guy mm -hmm. and he's a fun guy to play against. He's like, you play him, you like getting your butt kicked, but you're having a good time. I think it's the game. 
It's not the players. The whole point of competitive is to win. There's they all agree with that. I don't think they necessarily like that idea that like there's no player interaction. That wouldn't you want to win based off of skill and like generalship yes. versus yes, and that's what they want too. But it's also about winning. So why the heck would you not take the best thing if it was there? See, I think I, it's like, workshop, not the community. Yeah. See, I the thing is like I would take a list that was really strong. If you're like oh like hey, this list is really, really strong. But I think if, if if it comes to like, hey, there is a list out there that takes away from any interaction, like the, I, I win the roll-off, I think we as a, it is on us as a community to be like, hey, everybody, don't take this list until Games Workshop fixes this thing because it takes away any interaction in the game whatsoever. Yeah, and they do that too. You're right. Um, and and so I think the leading that players me, that makes me like cringe because I'm like oh wait but because who decides exactly who gets to make that decision that's a tournament the, organizer then what if they lose all of their players who play that army <laughs> exactly it's very complicated and so the games workshop needs to be the one who takes that bullet um, well and and we have leaders in the hobby like there are community leaders I I I think right now if FLG came out and said hey. Someone just figured out that this list is super broken. Like we're all just gonna like that. Like this list, that this list in particular, is not allowed at our like at our events. Like you can still bring super powerful lists. Okay. Like please, once again, I think we do need a competitive aspect. Um, and it's it's just when you take out the the interaction with the other players and stuff and like i was talking on the pre-show when we have people who are literally doing math they're just like they come up with lists and they they're playing a game by doing equations and they're like oh based on the list i made i would win because of the statistics um i think it, i think it's on us as a community um yeah and it's a very and, small part of the community <clears throat> though, too is yeah, my, that's what i was i think you got to Obviously, we've snowballed into talking about gaming here. So, yeah, Um, I'm going to bring it really back, really quickly back to the community. Um, I think we like also and and once again, I'm taking the the bad stances. I think we've got a lot of great content creators out out in Warhammer. Um, Don't get me wrong. I think the community is is in a pretty decent place. But if you're a content creator, especially on a, a major like known 40k entity um i think you have a have a a little bit of a responsibility to know a little bit about everything and then a lot about the thing you're talking about um but like i was talking in the pre-show we keep getting these podcasts or these youtube videos and it's people who are like yeah i don't really know what these models are called i don't understand any of anything I just, you know, I paid someone to paint all this stuff and I come and play. Um, I don't even quite understand. Like, it, it just, it feels like we have 40K as experts who don't know anything about 40K. Uh, and Mike, you're a, you're a competitive... Are people you're talking about? That's not my experience at all with, with any of the YouTube content. And I think there are people, I think that's okay. If you don't like anything except playing the game, that's fine. You do your hobby, you way, and there's people who wouldn't want to watch that content. But you you go to Tabletop Tactics and you tell me that they don't know what they're doing. Oh, or you no, go no. To a painting channel and they don't know the lore and painting and everything else. Like, I think it's great. Like, I don't understand 
you you have a choice to watch what you want to watch. And yes, uh, I, I think my shouldn't be penalized for people who have a different interest in in the hobby, in in the way they like to enjoy it. Enjoy it. So there's variety, and I think that's good. Like. Yes, there is a lot of variety. And note, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Tabletop Tactics, in my honest opinion, is the best way to uh, to absorb 40K content in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think they are the most pure, like, purest form of 40K cocaine. Um, <laughs> because I, I think they they talk real truth about, you know, where the competitive stuff lies in books. I think they talk a good amount about lore and everything. I'll say right now, when it comes to the content I was talking about, I think there's some podcasts out there specifically. (laughs) Yes. There you go. Yep. You got, you got what I'm putting down. There are some podcasts out there where it's, it feels like there's people coming over from a different uh, game systems and I would say games. like esports, like from things with yep. more developed esports. Yep, and, and they're... Yeah, I agree with you. I think they should stick to the things they know more. Yes, um, and that would be good. Like if they like the gaming part. Is, is when factions get a, a glow up or a a new rules thing if you watch the reddits and the facebook groups and stuff you you see this wave okay so like i'm on i, I purposely because i want to take in as much content i'm on every single faction subreddit um i i literally one day i went through and i just added myself um because i like i like seeing the models and and people i love it when people do stuff and um, the Tau, the Tau just got this recent, all these rules that are, everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're going to be, um, <laughs> and, and look, they're going to be pretty, they're going to be pretty scary. Okay. And as someone who, who does not, I think Tau are really great in the 40 K setting. Don't get me wrong, but I have the person I played Tau against, and I know you're out there, um, <laughs> interactions were terrible because it, you, you don't feel like you're doing anything. Yeah. Um, and you're just getting blasted off the board. I mean, Mike, you you remember that one day we went down to to Dragon's Lair, and we were like, we're gonna be here for a couple hours, and like 30 minutes later, uh, Chris just was done because it was like <laughs> turn one, he just got blown off the table and had zero models left. Oh my gosh! And yeah, and it was bad, and it's it creates bad feelings. But going back to the the, the Reddit, <clears throat> like you see all these people, and they're like. I just bought six of the things they just previewed on Warhammer community. How, like, how do I make these, uh, you know, how do I make these Eldar tower, whatever? I don't know what they're called. How do I make them most competitive? And you see all these people who've been loyally playing that faction, you know, cause it's their thing. Like, you know, some people are like, Oh, take this and you'll, you'll do great. But I, you know, I don't say anything on the tower subreddit. I'm not a tower player, but I've seen some, anger from these people like like you know blank you you know we've been playing tau for all of eighth edition and pro or ninth edition props to you you stuck with your faction 
Um, you just have to realize that people are going to come over and do that. Yeah. Um, because so they, you don't want to gatekeep. Like, no, you don't want to gatekeep. Yeah. I'd say the cost is enough of a gatekeeper. We can, <laughs> yeah. anybody who's um, willing to shell out that cash should be allowed in. Yeah. Um, but I also think that if you are kind of chasing the meta, you know, I think it does need to don't obviously don't gatekeep to people who are chasing the meta. But if you are chasing the meta, realize there are people who probably have some hurt feelings because they're like, yeah, I've been. I've been getting tabled because I wanted to play this faction. Yeah. Um, and now you're coming in and you, like uh, Iron Hand, Iron Hands in eighth edition is a great example. You yeah. know, I remember when I was on the Iron Hands subreddit and there had 500 people on there. Okay. And then they got their big thing. And like you, the, the conversations between those 500 people were so deep. It was like, you know, talking about what it means to be an Iron Hands player and all these <laughs> things. And then next thing you know, you got some guy who's like, yeah, Furry Manilow was my favorite uh, Primic. Um, tell me how to be good. Uh, and they're like, what? And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I am good 40K player. Uh, very, very nice Iron Warrior fingers. I love this faction. Always have. And it's it's like that. And then, yeah. On a slight note to people out there, Stephen said this: enjoy the hobby the way you want to. If you get, if, I've got black Templars over here, and I'm going to paint them like black Templars. If you want to get black Templars and paint them pink, like just do it. And and because <laughs> I'll tell you right now, as a big lore enthusiast, I like it. I don't have a problem when people are like, "Here's my model. I decided to paint it like this." Some some guys painting his black Templars like imperial fists and he's like i'm doing a 30k inspired army and i was like oh that's pretty cool and nothing else what i don't like it's like well i um i decided to paint them pink because i thought i could make up this lore where they all like the color pink and that like don't try to explain like do an abstract explanation of why you're doing this just be like look guys i wanted to paint this pink and so i painted them pink and it'll be like okay cool man like they look great I, I don't so know. It's just fell into Slanish land or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would rather you be like, okay, you wanted to, you wanted to you know paint your tau in ultramarine colors because you thought it looked cool. Props to you, man. Props to you. But when you try to make some like abstract esque lore that just doesn't make kind of sense, that's where I have a problem. Where Do you it's have like, a problem with the bean eaters? No, that's that's that is not enough beans. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm more. It's like, oh, um, I took you know, who would you consider the most loyal Space Marines? Dark Angel, Imperial Fists, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So let's just be like, oh, I took these Imperial Fists and I put a tarot shield on them because I made a lore that these Imperial Fists were like, no, I don't like the Imperium anymore, and I want to fight for the greater good. Like, look, guy, just be like, look, I was kit bashing around and fuck it. I made it happen because I'll be like, OK, cool. But if you're like, oh, yeah, the guys who like defend Earth were like, no, nah, I don't like it here. I want to be I want to be Tau. Like, please, please. Defend just Earth no. and are genetically <laughs> modified to yeah. like brainwashed and programmed yeah. to yeah. remember that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Matthew. I think you do have some very good points that there that. The community does have a lot of responsibility in how we shape how we enjoy the uh, hobby. Um, and maybe just as a point for all of us to be happier, just like with anything nowadays, you have control over what 
what you consume and maybe we all just need to be a bit more mindful about what we go and listen to or watch so we're not getting our uh just getting upset <laughs> like because i i don't like it either and i agree that i like the things you brought up i didn't like it i was like i don't like what they're talking about so i stopped listening to it and now i get to listen to warhawk instead and that's like awesome <laughs> yep. well said steven I, I think that's a great point we you you almost with this community size it is now you kind of you get to choose the mini community that you're a part of if you want to be a part of all of them and get angry and get happy about everything you see then go for it but you can also kind of just dig yourself deep into the lore enthusiasts and and ignore the pink painting anarchists <laughs> it's all up to you um, okay yeah <laughs> so real quick that one Definitely snowballed in every direction. I feel like we already kind of got to start on gaming, but we have to do it real quick. I want out of 10, where is the community at? Matthew, you're first. Just the number. Yeah, here community you. or gaming, sorry. Community or gaming. Oh, community. give your community score. Uh, six, six out of 10. Six out of 10. Stevie? For community? Yep. Nine out of 10. Nine out of 10. And Dirty Mike? Eight. And eight. Okay, pretty high, especially you, Steven. Awesome. And and I think the community is sweet. Like, just one blurb I can do is the railgun memes from a few weeks ago with that tap. It was so good. Like, that kind of <laughs> stuff is just awesome. Because, like, you know, I don't follow it super deep, but, I, you know, I'm keeping track of these things. And then I, I see something about that rule, and then I see meme after meme, and I go to the page, and it's just, it's so much fun. <laughs> um, and so like that kind of stuff didn't exist five ten years ago and i think community has improved you know just like any anything else has had the opportunity to do that stuff more so that's so cool uh, i got so many laughs out of that all right so the next one is gaming we already did talk about this how the ninth edition's going um kind of the rules and mechanics let's keep this real concise and just kind of to a number and maybe just a few words, and I'm going to cut you off if you keep going because we have gone into this one. And I want, you know, Stephen, I want you to start because I know you'll be the shortest. You haven't played a game during COVID. Yeah, you even have abstain, a strong opinion. I'm going to abstain from voting because I don't think it's fair because I haven't played any games. But I think that in and of itself says something. 100%. Um, I've, you know, I, it's just so much work to have to read all of these books and understand what's going on. And I don't, it's just, it's untenable. So I'd rather just paint models right now <laughs> and, and save time later for learning how to play the game. And I, you know, my time is precious right now, my hobby time. So I, I'm not going to spend my time learning how to read uh, the rules for my army. Right, right. That, yeah, the fact that it's, it takes that much to for someone to learn the rules of someone who's so familiar with the game kind of speaks to, you know, you got to keep up with the rules. Yeah, definitely. If you want to play a lot, but the fact that you can keep in with 40k and not be playing any games for two years is awesome too. Yeah, um, it says I that... do want to play games. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> I have to find the codexes. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so Stevens abstaining. Mike, where are you at? So I gave it a six out of ten. Um, I, I it was mentioned earlier, but rules rules bloat is absolutely a thing. After we were told it wasn't. Um, but I would say that that's not 100% the case in 9th edition. Death Guard's a pretty good example. We got an early codex, 
Um, I think that codex was put together very well. It is both lore appropriate. It feels like Death Guard when you put them on the table. It's it's also a lot of fun and stays true to like a lot of those core things that make Death Guard the or how Death Guard should play. Um, and I've only got one codex I have to use. If I was going to run specifically an army of renown, okay, there's a campaign book too. So I, and that is essentially I use that almost instead of the codex besides data sheets. So it's like it's. It's kind of nice in the sense that once they get their new codexes, the rules boat is not as bad. It's definitely not the case for things that still have to use their psychic awakening, like Tyranids have their core, their eighth edition codex, eighth edition psychic awakening, and now a uh, campaign book as well for the Army of Renown. So it's like they like they're it's still there. Um, I think the change from eighth to ninth edition was good. Um, I was real hesitant about all the terrain stuff. Um, it just sounded like it was going to be a whole, whole thing that was just going to detract and slow the game down. But I think it is actually vital to the way the game is played now, especially in the competitive realm. Uh, and there's organizations doing some additional stuff, but the, the, the like terrain keyword system, I think has worked out really well in ninth edition. Um, I think there's a couple other changes they made, um, that are that have been really good for the game as as a system as a game system of throwing dice and i i'm happy with where things are i'm happy with the potential of the data slates because it allows it is a now a new method other than the faqs on how to balance and fix things that were broken by crodex creep or whatever it may be so i i'm i'm happy <laughs> in the sense of I like to play games and I it makes sense to me and it's good, but I but I acknowledge that rules bloat is an issue and that eight people still playing eighth edition codexes in a ninth edition game is not good uh, for the game. Um, so I think we're in a good spot. Um, and I think once all the codex is better, that automatically puts it at like once every codex is out, I think it automatically just puts it at an eight for me. Um, and then we'll see. There's a little room for curbing some of that hobby or the curbing some of the uh rules bloat so six out of ten. Six out of ten. Great. And I think there's a huge difference between gaming amongst friends and then the the competitive gaming. I like it's just a lot you there's there's the rules that let you have a great time and let you have like you know, I kinda miss the templates and having the laughs of the single Lehman Russ Canning blowing up a whole squad of Space Marine just because they were too close together. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> you could have spaced them one inch apart. Um, like that stuff is so much fun as a group. But so yeah, you know, you can take this two different ways: the friendly gaming, the competitive gaming. Matt, what is your ranking? All right, so I gave it a five out of ten. Um, so first, kind of going back to something we already talked about: promises made at the beginning of the edition. Uh, I think the two biggest things were flyers and terrain were finally going to be fixed. And I don't think they are. Um, I think I've heard a lot of people, I, whenever I've played, I haven't used too much a variety of terrain. So I can't, I'm not necessarily a subject matter expert. I'm going off of more things people have said. And it's like, if you don't establish before the game starts and have a way to remember exactly what each piece of terrain does, it can lead to some intense moments in the game, i.e. back when we first played Kurt, where it'd be like, no, I can see you, like, screw you. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm, and, and the fact that, like we've already talked about, the fact that flyers have either not been used or used to break the game, 
I think is like indicative of them not being fixed, which was a promise of ninth edition uh, rules bloat as well. Why are we like the codexes kind of came out and everyone's like, Oh, these are great codexes. This is going to be awesome. But then we're getting codexes and then more rules immediately after, and then more rules immediately after. And so once again, that's another broken promise. Um, I think the fact that we're getting, you know, like we said, Sisters of Battle Codex came out, Orcs Codex came out, Warzone Chart Card Charidon or whatever it was came out, and it was buffed for both of them. So it's not even like, hey, Sisters Orcs came out, and then we're going to buff people in this campaign book that don't have a codex to kind of get them to where you guys are. It's like, okay, well, if you're not one of the six factions that we've already released, you're just going to kind of be left in the wayside. And I know that's not true because I know Tyranids have gotten boosts and everything like that but i i feel like some factions are being just left in the dust um i i think it's important to know too that the campaign books aren't specifically buffs for armies they are some of them have been really good like for example the pyramid crusher stampede was a buff but that is mostly because they don't have a ninth edition codex (laughs) like the the death guard army of renown is good but it's not like, oh, if you don't play the Terminus Est Army of Renown, you will lose. Um, I, I can run perfectly normal Death Guard and do as well. Um, and so it's, I think, I think it's important to distinguish a little bit there the Army of Renowns as a from a buff to a that the intent of those books is to advance the camp the like narrative, not to advance the competitive if that makes sense yes and i'm sorry i shouldn't say buff it's more rules and that plays into the rules bloat and like with tyranids if it was just giving rules to people who didn't have codexes yet i think i would be a lot happier with with these war game like here's a band-aid before i'm like we're sorry we can't get the codex out okay got it i understand but it's not and then i think the biggest issue is we don't have all the codexes and i like steven said earlier supply chain but like that is a problem and it it doesn't look good on Games Workshop where you release a codex that's like Drukhari or Admech that just dominates the meta for months. And it's like, well, the next codex will shake things up, but it's going to be six months before you get it. So everyone buy Drukhari. Um, <laughs> and and so I, I think that's that's kind of a feel bad moment. Um, other than that, I think there's some good stuff in the game. Um I, I, I want to get to a point though where we have all the codexes, and what I think would be really good, and what I'm hoping for the end of the edition is that it's like, all right, well this codex beats this codex, but the codex, but another codex beats the first one, and so like you have all these things that are kind of tempering each other, um, and I think that would be really good for the competitive state of things to where like. I you know I listen to the Thursday show every um, every week. Shout out to Paul Murphy and all the people he podcasts with. They're such an amazing team. Um, but I love hearing about tournaments and stuff that have a lot of people like different factions. You know, like I know I've I said some pretty harsh things about like the competitive side of stuff. I really do think it's great. Um, but I want to see people taking these kind of crazy lists and different lists and stuff to shake up stuff. So like I think it's good that we have people taking knights in to um tournaments because then you have to start if you're taking an all comers list, you have to start taking anti-tank because you have to deal with those knights. 
well then if people are taking you know taking anti-tank well then you can focus on hordes and i'm hoping that as we get more of these codexes and strategies and stuff continue to advance that we get this kind of cycle of all of these codexes or all these tournaments have a variety of people and that's where i'd like us to be but i don't think we're there yet and we haven't been there to this most of this edition most of this edition like for the first part it was space marines and then it became space marines and drukari and then space marines drukari and admech and then drukari admech orcs and we're starting to get a little bit of that but I, I want it to be more diverse. I want people to take the factions that they love and be able to do a crazy list. Um, and I think you brought up uh, Manny Chima earlier, Stephen. Uh, is he the one who just goes like crazy in one direction or crazy? I, I forgot who does. Yeah, he like, that. likes to maximize like damage output. Well, there's someone who just like he'll do like all tanks or all infantry and, and kind of play into a like oh like skew lists. Yeah, is that? I don't remember who that was. There's someone out there who does skew lists. And I think every tournament needs someone who has a skew list. So that even if you're taking like a really, if you're in like a very tank heavy meta, like, yeah, I've got 700 grots. You just physically won't be able to take care of me. And so that kind of changes, it shakes things up a little bit. And I think, uh, I think we need to like put those people up. If they're taking some crazy, like, it's not the greatest, but this is going to, fuck with some people's heads like we need to be like yeah that guy <laughs> damn give them a lot yeah yeah, yeah. all um, right and that's where i stand awesome so i think that's a good wrap on gaming i think we definitely hit that well um definitely some strong opinions there so final two topics of our state of the state of the hobby here are models and lore so Totally away from competitive, totally away from the gaming side. Like, you know, it's purely just how cool are the models and how cool are the stuff that Games Workshop's coming out with that has nothing to do with gaming and competitive. Just like how badass are their models. And I think this this was unquestionably this hot. Like, it only gets better every year as tech and as mold. And as they can, you know, kind of add more designs and have more ability to do those things, I think it's unquestionably just getting better. What do you all think? Let's start with Steven, just because he is our our hobby expert, <laughs> and we're not be, we won't be doing a hobby corner or anything today. So, Steven, you've been in this for a long time. Where are they? Where are they at today? I think they're at a wonderful place. I'd give them a nine out of ten. Um, just that one point away for the 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 tendency for them to do uh, monopose kits for some things um but the sculpts are fantastic the detail i was looking at um i think i mentioned when the beast nagas came out like the level of texture they put on those pelts is ridiculous <laughs> and actually also that orc terrain i was telling you about curtis the oil derrick like they have really fine texture on there too so it looks like pitted like metal sheets and stuff like on there it's, it's wild awesome yeah, it's so cool and they go to they're going to together better now the models so like the mold lines are like on the bottom so you can't really see them or in their like you know places you can't really see uh so that's great um and they just keep like they they just need to keep refreshing with the really old models um like eldar stuff looks really cool like i'm I'm probably going to have an Eldar army in the near future. 
because they're so dang cool. Um, but the design is really good. I think they're being more true to the lore because um, they can they have the technology to actually like to recreate some of their concept art, uh, especially like with that Black Templar guy, the Castellan guy. He's so freaking cool. <laughs> like, yeah, Matthew has him right there. Oh gosh, oh, it's so perfect. Um, so I'm happy and. There's a few like weird design choices sometimes. Um like uh the the new like orc boys look a little bit different from the other orc boys. Um especially the faces, but that's not really a big deal. Um so my main main gripe is just the 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 posing um some of these kits. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can't wait to see them make bigger and better models. The, the, they can do more with plastic now. They don't have to make Forge World do all the heavy lifting now for these bigger kits. Um, like, just, just on a side note there, Steven, talking about detail, the uh, the elves from Sigmar uh-huh. with, like, the the veil across oh, the lady. So beautiful. Oh. So it's just a, such a scary thing to have to paint, though. <laughs> <laughs> she has a burlap sack on her head that's what i'm doing <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> it's, it's funny that you bring up sigmar because that's why i gave this score so low compared to you guys like i did seven out of ten because the sigmar stuff is so much cooler it is <laughs> i i agree with you they do have some really awesome stuff yeah like it's it's and that's not to say that there's not cool 40k stuff. I mean, the what were the the three models that like were voted on by the community as models of the year? It was like Bellacore, Bellacore. really cool, Helbrecht, really cool. Like <laughs> so, as long as you put it in an orc. <laughs> the memes of the servitor cleaning, yeah. cleaning the sword are perfect. New worst job in the Imperium is that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there so there's absolutely really cool models out there. Um, but the, I, in my head, it's like, well, there's also still some very, very old and not cool models. And <laughs> I know what they can do because <laughs> of Sigmar, like it's out there. Um, so I think you're right, Stephen. like there's really cool stuff that they can do. The technology is just getting better, faster. It's like exponential how much better their sculpting technology has gotten. And like, it, I think that's true for Forge World too. I haven't done a ton with Forge World anytime recently, but from what I understand, like, even the Forge World resin that's usually awful has gotten better. Like they fit together better because the technology has gotten better. It's not like they have to put something together with like cardboard and then mold it and then, you know, go from there. Like it's, they're using technology and science and it's all better across the board. Science. So it's, it's like definitely really good and really cool, but there's, there's still whole lines of very old and not great models that I'm sure are on the horizon. We know the Eldar are on the horizon. But if I have to accept it as right now, then I only gave it a seven because there's cooler stuff out there. <laughs> fair point. It's a very fair point. And and I think part of this um, topic is also like battle forces, combat patrols. You know, are they making avail- models available as single units, ten units? Even that's a part of this is you know be able to purchase and get what you want in the right kind of ways to an extent. I think it's. You know, they've done a good job with, with making those available, I think. <laughs> you brought it up, and I'm going to kick the door down. The one combat patrol that is not actually a patrol <laughs> is Death Guard. <laughs> like, it does not make a legitimate legal patrol detachment. <laughs> and I hate it. 
right, but Matthew. everything else is great. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, uh, finish All right. this one off. All right. For, uh, models in the hobby. Yeah. So uh, I give an eight out of 10. Um, I agree with everything people have been saying. Uh, first of all, Sigmar stuff looks amazing. Um, I just wish they would bring it over to 40 K. Um, you've got, they're, they're trying to update all these armies for Sigmar and I get that, but you've got people waiting with 20 year old models just being like, please. <laughs> um, and so I, I gave it an eight out of 10 because, um, the releases at this point have felt very odd and not very focused. And um, not so much the mono pose, but just the fact that we haven't got a lot of updated models um, for 40K, you know, we'll get, it's like, okay, well, we're releasing this faction and you get, um, you know, here's a character and here's their codex. And then Age of Sigmar, it's like, look at this brand new faction and all 75 of their different models. Uh, Sorry, like, okay. Um, so you, you could have done something, but you chose not to. Um, and so that's a little disappointing, but I'll, like, I'll tell you right now, the sculpts are great. These black Templars I'm working on, I'll say right now, I think the mold lines are almost getting worse. Um, because, uh, the mold lines specifically on the heavy intercessors I did for the Imperial fists, um, they were terrible. The mold mm. lines were absolutely terrible. I haven't had a mold line problem that bad since like when I first got in the hobby, um, the Black Templar stuff wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, some of the cut the the stuff was in weird places, so it made me made it, made it hard to go. But, um, anyways, I I think the models look great. I um the orcs were a little unexpected, but I think those look great as well. Um, GW knows we want Primarchs, and they just need to give them to us. And they need to update the Eldar. Like anybody who's using an old range or still has fine cast things, they need to get changed. Like Age of Sigmar can can pause. They'll be they'll be fine. Just update all the fine cast stuff, and then we can move along with our lives. Um, and then that kind of brings me to my the last part about this that I want to talk about. And like I'm a big Imperium player. I've tried to not be an Imperium player, especially not Space Marines. It just doesn't work. Uh, we found out it just doesn't it just doesn't work. Um, and uh, so I just want you to know that when I say this, and I was talking to Mike about this, but I think right now as it stands, Death Guard is the best army in 40K, going from a hobby slash models thing, because all of their stuff got updated at once. Yeah, they got a new model and like a piece of terrain this edition, but all of their stuff looks similar, feels new, looks amazing. Like if... If I was going to go hardcore chaos and everything like that, it would probably be Death Guard because all my models are from a single kind of range, I guess. So, like, I have the Black Legion. Uh, by the way, I picked up the Black Legion. I didn't touch on that earlier from Steven. Oh, yeah. And they look so good. Um, you did such a great job. I'm glad you um, like But, like, if I, wanted to, if I wanted to expand that range... If I wanted to say I want to get possessed or something like that, I'd have to get those models that are like 15 years old and look really bad. And Kurt, like Imperial Guard, you can get some models that are I mean, pretty much the entire range is almost 15 years old. Uh, you get the upgrade sprue for the Cadians that's a year old. 
And then, right. oh, you want to get Rattlings? Fine cast. Like, yes, Space wow. Marines. Space Marines. Like, playing Dark Angels or... The, the, I mean, that this is really the thing that kind of pushed me over into Black Templars. You know, from Dark Angels, Space Wolves, Dark Angels, and um, Blood Angels. Like, if you want to play them, you have to play some old Marines that we know are going to get updated soon or in the future. And then Primaris stuff. Or you play all Primaris stuff and you're not really playing blood angels and stuff you're playing a, a generic space marine army like every other range has a variety like oh here's a new model and then old models and then really old models except for death card and i really want all of the like i feel like every time they do a release that's how they should do it is just update everything in one fell swoop and then you can go from there because I like based on the leaks. And I think Steven talked about this earlier, the Eldar, they're about to get a whole bunch of stuff, but it's not going to be everything. And so it's going to be like, OK, well, I can get five out of the six units I wanted to get are getting new upgrades. So I'm going to get those. But then if I want to run that sixth unit, I still have to use a fine cast or a metal model. And it's just it's going to look goofy. They're going to the sizes are going to look weird. Like not to say that you can't do that. Please don't don't think I'm saying that, but. At the end of the day, it's going to look kind of goofy. Um, and, and honestly, I kind of feel bad for some of the Space Marine players. You know, our friend John has Space Wolves. And so he's done all the Primaris stuff and just painted them like Space Wolves. But they're going to update the Space Wolves with unique Primaris units. Like, it's, it's coming. Um, and then those Space Wolf players are going to buy those Space Wolf things because that's what they do. Um, and so I, I don't really think that's kind of fair. And so I, I think when they update ranges, they should just update ranges and, and not kind of make it drawn out so long. Um, but at the end of the day, Steven said this earlier, GW makes the best models out there. And so like that's that's that. And then that is 100 percent true. And these they, they look great. They're they're fun to paint and everything like that. So I, I really do think in terms of models and hobbying and everything like that, they are. Uh, it, we're we are so far along. Uh, in fact, I said eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten, and I'm also gonna say give us Primarchs. Uh, <laughs> and and honestly, if the leaks are true, which they have been up to that this point, that means that in the near future we're about to get World Eaters and Angron's gonna come back. No, oh, it's gonna be so good. All right, Mike, get your wallet ready. I've got two Chaos Armies already, and I'm probably going to get the Black Legion. Which means you back. have to get, then so. you have to get World Eaters to be Chaos Lord Mike. Just let me know about those Imperial Fists. What is that, Angry Mike? So, is that one? Angry Mike, yep. Angry Mike. <laughs> mad Mike. Never mind, it's Mad Mike. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Slamesh. So what is that going to be? <laughs> well, Dirty Mike's already taken, so I don't know. <laughs> Sexy Mike. Sexy Mike. <laughs> All right, dirty sexy Mike. You are going to be starting us off here on the final topic of lore. Um, what what do we think we're? How do you think they're doing in lore? The narrative, and I mean, this is you know not just Games Workshop, but the community and the hobby as a whole. How where is lore at? Yeah, so I actually struggled with this one, and I kind of feel like I'm where Steven was with gaming, where like I, I was like five out of 10, mostly because I don't know. And so that tells me that <laughs> either I've just completely missed some stuff or <laughs> like, I remember in eighth edition when 
Dark Imperium and like Gilliman came back and I felt like we were advancing and progressing the story and that was in the codexes. It was in the, it was in novel releases. And now I'm like, I, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> so I don't know if that's, I missed it or if it, it hasn't been as cohesive um, as like an eighth edition. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with lore. It's like, I, I don't actually know. So I said five out of a 10, but I don't know if that's just my ignorance more so than negligence by Games Workshop or the community. <laughs> no, I, I think you, I think you're touching on, I mean, Steven and I, I talked to him about the lore all the time. Um, and so far, I think, I think we've only been talking about heresy era stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Siege of Terror stuff's great. Big fan as an Imperial Fist, you know, guy, like, great, love it. And then this last one had Death Guard in it, too. It's like, this best of both worlds. Um, but then, but that's not 40K, so I don't know, like, where the, I don't know what's happening in the 40K lore since the end of Dark Imperium. Well, and, and end of Dark Imperium, and, like, Stephen, you know, I think you and I talked about this. The last Dark Imperium book really felt forced, to be, to be I've, completely honest. I haven't finished it yet, but, um... okay. I could see it, how that could be the case. It feels because, like, and and for people not like that, they are already like openly admitted this is that like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with, um, eighth edition in terms of advancing the plot line, and like they had to go kind of go back and be like, okay, well, ninth edition isn't the next step. Ninth edition is what was going on during the Indominus Crusade, and that's so. Everyone kind of thought that it's like, okay, ninth edition is coming out. It's like, we're taking the next step. And what actually happened was that ninth edition happened and we went back to the step that was already in it, or that we were already in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, what's Abaddon doing? <laughs> like, he <laughs> crashed the Blackstone Fortress into Cadia, caused the like great rift thing, and then he's gone like well what? he he showed up remember in vigilus he shows up yeah and he like and and even vigilus and like that's the kind of thing people are just talking about the campaign books it's like vigilus he shows up and he starts wrecking everything and then he fights marinus calgar and is literally about to just calmly execute marinus calgar and then the eldar are about to blow up the vengeful spirit and he's like i gotta go and save the vengeful spirit and he just leaves and then it's just like okay well Yep. Uh, yep. He's still yeah. fighting those Eldar, apparently. Um, and I, and I, I be mostly because I don't have you know play a ton of those armies in the like the campaign books. Like I know, like the Book of Rust is like okay, Typhus is coming in, and he needed to get something, and there was something. <laughs> but like, yeah. like I enjoyed the writing in the dark, like the like Dark Imperium stuff, where it's like the introduction of Primaris and like the chaos guys being like, I've fought this fight for 10,000 years. Who are you? Like, <laughs> I really enjoyed that kind of like give and take. And I, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And, but I just, I feel like novel wise, I look forward to the siege of Terra and that's it. Yeah. I think, I think that's where I'm at too. I, I said it was seven out of 10, same old, same old. Um, because it's, as far as like advancing the overall story, yeah, it's 
they just moved the goalpost. So there's a little bit more space to like talk about things now. It's still like, you know, instead of a second to midnight, it's like a millisecond to midnight now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would say everything I've been reading, I've enjoyed. There haven't been any like huge narrative things where I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, with the exception of primaries, but they're sort of doing a better job about fleshing it out and talking about it. Um. So but th- th- there's so much you could write about. Like you can, like this new series they're doing with the, about the Indominus Crusade. I can't remember what the whole series is called. Those books have been good. Um, it's very like Great Crusade-esque, um, like 2.0. <laughs> Um, but there's so much room to talk about different things and, you know, they, all these characters they can explore. Um, so I think for anyone who's looking to get into the lore stuff, I would say don't try to look for things that are like overall, like like what's going to happen to the universe type things, because not a lot, because they don't they don't want to end the, the, the story, basically. Um, Give it the fantasy treatment. Exactly. Don't you even don't you even sort of mention that. Exactly. That's why I would I, riot. I would throw bricks. Honestly, I'll keep giving them good scores until that happens. Because as long as that doesn't happen, I'm happy. Like, they, yeah, you go write a book about the orc boss, like nose picker in like <laughs> in some far flung area fighting Tau, and I'll read it because that's probably awesome. <laughs> I will say, somebody, I, one of the podcasts did a book review of like a Trays in the Infinite book. That sounds wild. <laughs> it is so good. I I read it or I listened to it. It's a long book, but it's like you know, it's like uh, it's like grumpy old men that movie, um, but like you know, over the course of like millennia with these two, <laughs> and they're like terminators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like punking each other over like centuries. Like I got you. Like I saw in like ten years you were gonna do this, and I put a rock there for you to trip over. It's great. Because so I'm happy. Oh, yeah. So, so, like, you know, kind of talking about that, you know, looking at the Space Marine Codex, if you look at the Space Marine Codex, any of them, or even the supplements, from 8th edition to 9th edition, not a lot has changed lore wise because they're all still talking about the induction of Primaris. So, like, in the Black Templars, you know, in 8th edition, we were past the point of them arriving, but now it's all they're talking about is them arriving. So, like, it's not talking about it like, okay, well, the primaries have been here and now we're moving on. It's like, oh, we're still talking about the same thing we were talking about in 8th edition. Uh, when it comes to the books, we had some like primaris themed books that kind of came out in 8th edition. Um, there was a Dark Angels one that was really bad. Like it was really bad. It turned out the reason it was bad was because the guy's a normally a Tau writer. And so he was writing space Marines for like the first time or something. And it just, it showed, um, and the story didn't really go anywhere and it was really random and, and kind of dumb. Um, the siege of terror stuff has been great, but once again, that's not 40 K the new series that they want to be like Horace heresy is less like, Oh wow. They just talked about this and more like this. It's almost like the same thing. The campaign books are doing where like, you're trying to tell a story, but you're not trying to do anything with it. It'd be kind of like if the Horus heresy just kept alluding to the heresy, but never actually got there. Um, and I know that a lot of people were upset with the recent book in that series, Wolf time, because they were like, Oh my gosh, 
wolf time like that's when that's when the uh you know lehman russ is supposed to come back and they read it and it's like nah he ain't coming back but thanks for buying this book uh we we gotcha um it's kind of, it's like the same thing they do with all the releases where they like they're like this is gonna be the biggest release ever tune in on saturday and then it's like war cry <laughs> and, and like you can almost hear him like we know you wanted a primark but we're trying to sell age of sigmar so keep keep tuning in um and they're gonna keep getting us as long as valric keeps making keeps making hype videos about primarks people will keep tuning in did you um, do you remember the the conquest book apocalypse yes i've been trying to get steven to read that that is what they should be doing right now that was an amazing freaking book yeah and it it also was super open-ended like i want to know what happens next yeah <laughs> like the whole big secret that's in the book like no spoilers like it's massive it's huge yeah. it means a lot I want more. And I like that mm-hmm. book came out years ago, right? I like, I mm-hmm. had to like go and re download it on my like Kindle. Like, I don't remember when it even came out. Like, it's old. Like, mm-hmm. well, and it where? was a good thing with like that, that secret doesn't necessarily like upset the balance of the timeline and everything like that. But it is very, very interesting. And I'd like to see more. Um, and like, honestly, they could sell me books where there's no action. It's just Gilman showing up and talking to like people that you like. You could give me an entire book of Gilliman just talking with like Marinus Calgar or something like that. Like I'm really, they haven't touched on the fact that like, you know, Gilliman could show up and talk to Helbrecht and be like, you want to know what Sigismund was like? Like all these people, you've got statues. Like that guy was a dick. He was pretty cool. <laughs> like they don't even talk about it. He like one foot shorter. Sigismund like, was whiny and like, he was yeah, mopey. He, he, he cried a lot, and then we told him that he could kill people, and he got really happy. Like, <laughs> oh, hey, Imperial Fist, you want to know what Dorne was like? Because he and I had a a mixed relationship, and like, like Talking Dark Angel was like, tell us about the lion. Like, I'd rather not. He was Meh. and like, oh, let me go hang out with Dante and tell him like, hey, I think you're doing great because I knew Dante. You know, I knew Sanguinius, and he was awesome. Um, and like they've got so much stuff they could write about and they're not. And it's really disappointing, um, that they're not. And, and uh, once again, they don't want to go too far, but it just, it's just kind of meh, right? And what's going on with Yarrick? What, what has Yarrick been doing? He's on like, like dialysis or something. <laughs> yeah. So like, like Yarrick probably needs to retire. So, um, no, just for implants. <laughs> rejuvenate you just need to like weld him into the fortress of arrogance and be like I am a bane blade <laughs> um, but yeah and the campaign uh, books like they need to uh, honestly I think they need to have a decisive thing like don't make it earth shattering be like in the planet of poopy buttholes the orcs won <laughs> like okay well okay cool at least there was a victor instead of like everyone shook hands and was like yeah good good game sport yeah um, I mean, with the exception of that one planet where it's just orcs versus tyranids like nobody uh, needs to win that one like uh, yeah. yeah um so anyways seven out of ten. Seven out of ten all right yep excellent okay well that that was our very last topic um the final one of lore and so that is almost takes us to the end of this podcast and all we have time left now for is closing comments and we've hit on so many things and how this final final little hoorah will work 
is each of you can will give now that you I mean now that you talked about this now we've flushed it out i want you to give another ranking based on based on the whole hobby where it's at just one number and one sentence one number one sentence slash phrase and that's it and then i'm gonna give me i'm gonna give you guys where uh i've kind of summarized and what i've heard and what i think just a little bit and then we're gonna we're gonna call it good right really quickly before i i'm limited to what i can say <laughs> Um, I want to, I want to talk. So going back to gaming, uh, I forgot to mention this, but I really think they need to, uh, crusade sounds lots of fun, but I feel like they need to have a better way to like get into crusade. Um, because I feel like it's a little abstract along with 30 K I'd really like, like, Hey, this is how you start 30 K. Cause I don't really quite understand how to get into 30 K. And then I wanted to share something that I found in the lore Going back to the lore, uh, it's 30k, but I thought it was really cool. So the Raven Guard, right? They're super stealthy. So they have those the back in 30k, their their like elite unit was like the the sniper guys. I forgot what they're called, like the Tor Ganath or whatever it was. And they're not even known to the Legion. It's just the Apothecaries and Korax who like know of their existence. That's how like Delta Force they are. But they have a secret language, uh, like their battle cant, but it's uh, it's all done in like size and like like, <sighs> um, and it's supposed to sound like the wind and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But then I thought about it. and I was like, actually, that's cool AF. Like they're essentially just like making like, <sighs> and like, while it might sound like a bunch of people farting, I did think that was like such a cool thing like it's very unique okay i was sorry. just picturing a bunch of apathetic teenagers being like oh, god <laughs> oh. same that's what i like i was picturing like all of the like pop punk bands i listened to in middle school like all the lead singers just sighing <laughs> it's it might be true okay sorry i wanted to share that i'm, I'm done sorry curtis <laughs> no you're good matt <laughs> um all right, let's see who's going to start here. I think we're going to start with Steven. One okay. number, one sentence. Go ahead, Steven. Seven out of ten. Hopefully optimistic. That's pretty good. And just as a, a reference, I summed up the averages of Steven's numbers throughout the past two hours. And on the numbers he gave per category, the average was 7.5. So that's, you're within the ballpark there, Steve. I ran the numbers too. That's why I was like, <laughs> I had to put 7. I almost put 7.5. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, you're up. So I uh, I feel like I lowballed Laura a little bit, so I bumped up my number from a 6 to a 6.5 out of 10 with the potential exists for this to be a great game. I'm just still... Uh, a little pessimistic until I see words put into action. Okay. Okay. I like that. And y your average over the podcast was a 6.2. So pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty accurate. Matt, finish this off. All right. Five out of 10. And wow. we could end up at the end of this edition in a really good place. But as it stands right now, it's not looking good for us. Interesting. Okay. Your average, Matt, was closer to like a 6.4. So 
I see you've, you've just gotten more pessimistic as we've talked about it. Had <laughs> the low ball there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, you know, from what I've heard, everyone is cautiously optimistic. And, and you know, as Stevens, that's what he said, but I think that's summarizing for all of you. But, you know, without a doubt, that's coming from a very, in a way, a privileged place. Like, this hobby's grown so much. It's like, you, you can only be angry about these things or cautiously, cautiously optimistic about them because it's changed so much. Um, and so, that's what, you know, and now hearing all of you and kind of what would my opinion be is, you know, it's a really good time to be in the hobby. I don't know. It's, you know, the fact that you can get so much passion behind it is unquestionably a good thing. Even if you're so upset about certain things going on, um, I think it's it's hard, hard to hard to be mad about the whole hobby itself. I, I would give, you know, I guess my state would be probably like a seven and a half or maybe an eight. And then, you know, yeah, you know, maybe it's because I'm not too involved in it, so I'm not angry about those things. I think that'd be a clear reason. <laughs> um, but it's all very interesting. As uh, it's it's cool that we can break it down into such topics and keep it, you know, all these different silos that makes up. 40k as a whole just so much to it pretty good all right guys well it's been an excellent state of the hobby we can all take off our white wigs down the... <laughs> i like that we're a commonwealth country yes. in this in this analogy of in course. my imagination we sure were <laughs> so it's a british game after all Kurt's yeah. been in Canada for two weeks, and look what happens. <laughs> oh, no. Long live the queen. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you for uh, this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to uh, find us on Instagram and Spotify and follow us where we are. We, we continue to try to grow and make this podcast be a bit of a success. We'll be like us on Facebook. If... Yeah, like us on Facebook. Thank you, Matt. Smash that button, whatever button it is. <laughs> <laughs> Control out delete. You can do it. Yeah, we gotta the more likes we have, the more our social media manager will do. There we go. That's well said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was directed at no one. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Later. The Emperor protects. Mm-hmm.